0: April is Autism Acceptance Month, and on ASHA Voices, we're recognizing the occasion by visiting Metropolitan State University of Denver. That's where a peer support program brings students studying speech language and hearing sciences together with university students with autism. The program is called the Integrated Support for Students with Autism in College Program, or, as the acronym spells out, the ISAAC Program. We'll be joined on this episode by the program's founder, Shivapriya Santhanam.
1: My goal was primarily to build a platform for social connection and communication between students. And number two, increase understanding of autism among everyone and just building a more inclusive environment for everyone.
0: Shiva joins us to discuss supporting students with autism during the pandemic, what the speech language students get from their participation with Isaac, and the way she structures the program. Plus, we'll hear from two students participating in the Isaac program, one a student on the spectrum, and the other a speech-language hearing sciences student. I'm J.D. Gray. This is ASHA Voices. Support for ASHA Voices comes from the Hannon Center. If you work with young children with autism and their families, much of your work involves engaging parents. The Hannon Center makes this part of your job easier. Learn more at hannon.org voices. In March of last year, when the pandemic sent much of higher education into the virtual world, Shiva Priya Santhanam had questions about whether or not the autism support program she runs at Metropolitan State University of Denver could continue. Now, a year later, the program is still running. The program includes students with autism and their speech-language student partners, and they meet for one-on-one peer support and in weekly group sessions. Shiva joined me in March of this year for a conversation about the program and the adjustments she's made to continue and grow the program during the pandemic. Shiva says she was spurred on by the students sharing the importance of the program in their lives, and she told me about the transition of the program into the virtual world.
1: I set it up online and it was kind of uh, you know shaky in the beginning because we were just figuring out you know, mute yourself, speak when it's your turn, that kind of thing. And then it started flowing really well after that. So the way we have structured the program right now is we meet once a week where we all come together as a group. And in the in the, in the the sense of a group, I mean, it's usually about seven to eight students on the autism spectrum. There are four or five students from our Department of Speech-Language Hearing Sciences who are undergraduates in our department. And then it is myself. So we are usually a group of like, you know, 12, 13 people that get together and we discuss several topics that are of shared interests um, for the students. Now, this can be topics related to college, um, some of the challenges that they're having, that they're facing during COVID times with online classes or frustrations with group projects with professors, and, you know, how are you structuring? Group work and how are you? You know, managing work outside of school. In spring of 2020, we had one student from our department work as part of the Isaac program. But right now, we have several of them that work as part of the Isaac program, and they are non-autistic. They are undergraduates, and they learn several clinical skills as part of being in the Isaac program. Something that they really benefit from is this one-on-one peer support, which um, the way we have structured it is, it's very equal, it's not hierarchical.
0: I spoke to one of the students yesterday, um, Anita Rhodes. She's a senior uh, undergraduate student in the speech language hearing sciences department. And Anita kind of spoke just to this. I'm gonna play a clip from her right now.
2: It's so much give and take, like we don't go in there just to mentor them. And I think that it makes it a lot more collaborative and it makes it so that everyone is comfortable with each other, and no one I think is intimidated of each other. There's no hierarchy of we're your peer mentors, and you have to listen to us like it's not like that. It's
1: very collaborative, and we all listen to each other. That's exactly how the program is structured. I remember one of my students last semester coming back to class and saying hey i i'm just shocked that these autistic students are just like us and i was like you know what what dif- what did you think they would be like and you know i think up until then they've only heard of autism in the realm of children they've never actually met a person who's an adult on the autism spectrum and they didn't, I think up until that point, did not realize that autistic students are very similar to them in terms of, you know, some of the challenges that they go through in, the, in a college environment and um, whether that's making friends or, you know, keeping friends, knowing how to approach a professor, knowing how to navigate you know, challenges within a classroom situation. How do you go about a group assignment if you don't like your group mates? You know, these are all challenges that all college students have. And and some of these shared interests have really brought brought about a, a nice sense of community among our students.
0: How do you prepare the speech language students to join the program?
1: We have a class as part of their senior experience class, so which is, you know, when, it, when they've completed most of their undergraduate courses like child language disorders or speech sound and fluency disorders and all this, they get the opportunity to attend this three credit class where they have a service learning component, which is part of their classes working with students on the autism spectrum. So we meet once a week, just the speech language hearing sciences undergraduates and I where we bring back what we learned from last week's session and we discuss that what did you learn you know what and then we we bring in readings or videos of individuals on the autism spectrum from say youtube or you know sometimes there are lots of wonderful blogs that are written by adults on the autism spectrum and so we discuss these things and we discuss articles we discuss these videos and then try to tie them to what we saw in our sessions the previous week. And so that really helps frame our students' understanding of autism and just, you know, grow in their knowledge of autism. After this kind of discussion that they've had in class, they go back the next week and then they try to apply what they learned sometimes if the opportunity arises. Sometimes they bring back anecdotes, those kinds of Experiences that students that are autistic students share during the sessions, it ties in very closely with the readings that we've had the previous week. And so we come back to class and we talk about those and we're like, why do you think that happens? What can we do to support people on the autism spectrum? How can we restructure our classrooms? How can we educate faculty? And then how can we talk to peers about, you know, peers who have not taken this class? How can we talk to them about you know, autism or autistic individuals. One thing that I really hope from this class and from this, from participation in this program is increasing autism knowledge specifically, but more broadly just increasing knowledge of disabilities and understanding that in most situations disability is not always just inherent to the individual, but that society or how society is structured plays a huge role in whether a person is disabled or not. And some of the modifications and adaptations that we can make in our societies really helps reduce some of the challenges that individuals with disabilities have. So I think I really want them to take away that message from this class that aligns with the social model of disability. And I want them to take away the message that this is not just specific to students on the autism spectrum, but any population that they work with in the future, this is something that they can carry with themselves. The classes are just learning about the stigma associated with disability, and how our you know our general community and societies need so much more clarity and knowledge on, and it's it's our role you know it's our role as speech language pathologists to to advocate for the individuals that we work for, and I think that that instilling that sense of advocacy and instilling that sense of you know wanting to spread clarity and knowledge about the individuals whom we work with, whether you know it's a person on the autism spectrum or, or anybody else. Because I've heard a lot in classrooms and even from several professors in our university saying things like, oh, the student is autistic, which means he wants to be alone. He doesn't want to make friends. Or, Mm. oh, the student is autistic. No wonder he's rude. Or the student is autistic. No wonder she's feeling so dysregulated in my classroom. And these are things that we need to ask ourselves. What are we doing to cause that dysregulation? What are we doing that makes everyone think, that, oh, students on the autism spectrum want to be alone or that they don't socialize. My hope is that when they go on to their different clinical roles in the future, you know, or in graduate school or, you know, wherever life takes them, I hope that they will be part of these messengers, so to say, to, to carry this message forward that, that these, are, these are not true. These are huge myths and um, individuals on the autism spectrum love having friends They want to have social connections. They want to have relationships. They, They don't intend to be rude. They are not dysregulated all the time. And what are some things that we can do to support them?
0: When we were talking about communication and socializing, it reminded me of that time in March of last year, the beginning of the pandemic when a lot of people were feeling isolated. I spoke with a student who's a part of the program. His name is Alex Sherman. Alex is a student on the spectrum, and he's a senior at Metropolitan State University of Denver. He participates with Isaac, and when the pandemic began, Alex said he was having a hard time.
2: I was very lonely. My, my family had moved away the previous year. My job has me staying close to home most of the time and with COVID, like not a lot of places were open and not a lot of socializing options were available.
0: Alex says he had friends and family he could call, but Isaac offered another outlet for him at the time. I played this clip of Alex for Shiva, and I asked her to tell me a bit about maintaining social interaction and clear communication during a pandemic, at a time when it's challenging to keep those connections going.
1: Alex was one of our students who was so you know, just bugged by this whole thing, like so frustrated. We have spent hours and hours just talking about how frustrating these situations are and how difficult it is to suddenly shift to online learning and how difficult it is to not see classmates or professors in person and just not having a life, really. And Alex, during his one-on-one sessions, He's spoken quite a bit about this and he's felt really supported because the other student who was paired with him, she was also going through very similar situations. She was not on the autism spectrum, but she was going through some of the same challenges like shifting to an online classroom, not having friends to meet, not seeing professors, not having a, a regular routine. Everything was just disrupted. And so that initial social connection really helped. So in spring 2020, I collected feedback for the first cohort. And I asked them, you know, what do you like? Like, what did you like? What did you enjoy? What did you not like? And all of that. And, and everyone said, we love these weekly interactions and meeting with other people and also meeting with, you know, our individual partners. But what we would like is is playing video games or virtual games together and i was a little you know i i have no clue what to do in that area because i just don't you know the i think i remember playing video games when i was like 12 or 13 years old and then yeah i don't i don't do that You're anymore not a so not really yeah so i was like gosh what am i going to do and so i asked them it's like you know what do you want to play like tell me about it like what do you guys play and They gave me names of several games that I had no clue what these (laughs) games were about. And so I spent a lot of time, you know, just searching on the Internet about games and what people play. I watch YouTube videos of how people play certain games. And we were looking at group based games where we as a group could play together. So, this would kind of
0: maintain the social
1: element. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, so I so we were looking for those kinds of games and students shared, you know, like like a list of games that they would like to play and we we all kind of brainstormed together about, you know, what can we play as a group? What do you feel like you can play with each other as part of the Isaac program, you know? I had a lot of challenges initially setting this up because we need to get permissions from our university IT to go through these um, and want to make sure that they're all secure platforms and 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 such. So I had to figure all those aspects out, but but the ideas that students shared were absolutely great.
0: Shiva says they decided to play games from a pack called Jackbox Party Games. She says the games vary, but many can accommodate 6 to 10 players and allow for an audience. She says when the students are prompted for answers as a part of the games, they will often compete to come up with the funniest responses. She calls the games pure fun.
1: What it does, which I love about these group-based games, is it totally removes disability from that picture. So somebody who's coming there and sitting and observing our games wouldn't even be able to differentiate or identify who's autistic and who's not. I'm not saying that the idea is to make autistic people look like they are not autistic. It really helps address some of the challenges that that some of our students have. And what it really has done for our students both autistic and non-autistic students, it's really helped build a social connection with each other. They have so much fun. It is so engaging. And they just let go and sit back and have fun that entire one hour. They're, you know, they're calling each other funny names or they are, you know, they're like, hey, I'll make sure I'm the winner today. And it really brings that communication that we always hope to bring in all our therapy sessions.
0: We'll be right back. Support for ASHA Voices comes from the Hannon Center. If you're an SLP in early intervention, it may be daunting to determine the best way to involve parents. How do we help parents understand their role? What tools do we use to engage them effectively? How do we coach them so that they're successful in applying what they learn? Hannon's online workshops have the tools you need to make parent-led intervention work. Visit Hannon.org voices to learn more. Everyone who participates with ISAAC is unique, and I would presume they have unique reasons for attending. Alex, who I mentioned earlier, for example, shared this with me.
2: I don't quite fit in with autism-typical behavior, and I don't quite fit in with what's called neurotypical behavior. I just kind of find myself somewhere in the middle. The ISAAC group helped me better define what I want out of my disability and what I want out of my life and what sort of relationships I hope to have.
0: I asked Shiva if evoking a response, such as the one that Alex shared, one that provides clarity about what the students want from their lives and relationships, is in line with the goals that she had when she started the program.
1: I would say this is more of a byproduct. I didn't go in with this goal, but I'm amazed that he shared that and I'm happy that he did my goal was primarily to build a platform for social connection and communication between students. And number two, increase understanding of autism among everyone and just building a more inclusive environment for everyone. So that kind of, those are kind of my main goals, but I'm, I can see that Alex is, is really beginning to understand himself more and just being around other people who are on the autism spectrum is really, really helpful for him. I can see that, which is, which I'm really glad. I'm, I'm so happy he, he shared that with you.
0: I decided to play another quote from Alex because it related to what we were discussing.
2: The reason why I keep coming back is quite honestly an easy one. Even though the answers to questions frustrate me and make me mad sometimes, it helps with me coming to terms with my own variation of the disability. And it adds additional perspective or a different lens that I can view my own life. And even though there are plenty of times where I'm like, okay, I don't want to be patient. I don't want to give these guys any benefit of the doubt or anything like that. There have been plenty of times where I'm just like, Okay, I gotta focus up and just try and use it as a learning opportunity instead of something just to do. Like with my future as a teacher, I'm gonna have a wide variety of students in my classroom. So like this teaches me patience on some level and it keeps me more grounded.
0: And so there, Alex was talking about how he might use some of his experiences in the Isaac program to become a teacher. He's studying English secondary education.
1: That's amazing, JD. Thanks for playing that. Because of multiple students in these groups, there are clashing personalities sometimes. Like the other day, we were talking about... you know what would you do if you had million dollars and COVID ended today? What would you do? And um, he spoke about how you know the trips that he wants to go on and stuff like that. And somebody else said, "Oh, I don't want to waste my money on trips or anything. I want to buy a house and settle down and put the remaining money in the bank and be you know just retire." So he was like, "Oh, you guys are all so practical and." you should just splurge and have fun you guys shouldn't be so practical you know so these are all very hypothetical situations we're not going to get a million dollars after covid <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so so with it, you know they just talk about these things because these are all microsoft teams meetings they will not just talk they'll constantly be posting like emojis and gifs and everything on the chat so, so they'll be like posting like a, a scary, you know, or a funny face or something like that. And then others, other people will like, or they will laugh or, you know, so they'll be, they'll be interacting on the chat screen as well, not just talking with each other verbally. But so um, something that he does is gosh, and he'll put like a funny emoji if some, if he doesn't like what somebody else said or you know so these things happen and i'm so glad that's that's that he thinks these are helpful because he's been very gracious and everybody else in the group has been if they don't agree with something they are like that's okay you know i don't agree with you but that's fine this is my opinion this is what i feel and they're very respectful and supportive of each other and i'm glad alex thinks that will help him in his future interactions and future jobs as well that is amazing that is just absolutely wonderful for me to hear.
0: You referenced some of the adjustments you've had to make of switching to a virtual platform. What kind of challenges were students facing, both the students who are participating with autism and the students who are speech-language hearing sciences students, uh, wh- what kind of challenges were they facing because of the pandemic? And also, what was the experience like for you?
1: Well, for me, it was like I was being attacked on all sides, right? I had to design my classes online just all of a sudden. And on top of that, I had to make sure that my students were okay. And, and there was just a lot of, and I'm sure anybody who's listening to this podcast will also endorse this, that students have gone through so much of emotional turmoil this past year. And so the supports have gone beyond just classroom-based academic supports. It's been a lot of you know, advising and emotional support and just being there for students when they need it. So I literally was on my computer for like 17 hours a day, sometimes in, you know, last last spring and last fall, it was just intense amount of work. And um, because of the stories that I hear from my students, I have the motivation to keep going because I feel like my challenges are nothing in compared to some of the challenges that they have. One big piece of this challenge is social isolation. Second is just adapting to a new platform of learning, which not every professor does it the same way. You know, just processing all of this and not having anybody to to share or talk about it is even harder. So, I love how these students support each other. So, Alex, for example uses Post-it notes and he will have Post-it notes around his computer, around his laptop that remind him of like, OK, I need to do this, I need to do that. And then using that Post-it note was a useful strategy for another student. And the other student was like, oh, great, well, I'll do that, too. So simple things like that are huge for for students. And just sharing these supportive strategies has been so helpful.
0: The students we've heard from today, many students in the program, what's next for them will be probably putting their eyes on employment. Uh, What's next for the Isaac program? How are you looking to build the program?
1: Great question, which is something that, you know, kind of keeps brewing in my head all the time is how can we grow and how can we support these students transition out of college? One thing that I have done is build connections within the university in, you know, those are just faculty members, who have a personal connection to autism or there their other staff members and other centers like student affairs at the university, such as the counseling center, the access center, the, you know, career center, so things like that. We've been making those connections. And right now we're in conversations to see how we can build and grow. One thing that we're doing this month, later this month, is meeting with employers in our Colorado community, who have taken a special effort at hiring autistic individuals. Um, some of these are startup companies based in Boulder. We're really trying to see how we can then connect our students to employers and kind of build that, that social network while they're still in college. Hopefully in the next couple years, we will bring in some services that we can support our students as they transition into employment. And I think as speech language pathologists, we have a huge role to play there in terms of communication support. And in terms of self advocacy, we SLPs are just part of the entire pie, right? So we're one slice of the pie, like we need mental health supports, we need recreational supports, we need other supports in terms of career connections. And all of these things are, are different aspects of supports that we need for students on the autism spectrum. I'm really not there yet to have those connections or don't have the, for example, I don't have the mental health supports that I can offer. It's outside the scope of my practice. So those are things that we can bring into the program in the future.
0: Shiva, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I appreciate the conversation.
1: Thank you, J.D. This was wonderful. Thank you.
0: Shiva is a member of the Professional Development Committee for ASHA Special Interest Group 14, Cultural and Linguistic Diversity. You can learn more about the many special interest groups and what they are up to at ASHA.org/sig. Find more resources on autism on the LEADER website, including the April feature articles in the ASHA LEADER magazine. Read about neurodiversity in the workplace and friendship styles that defy neurotypical standards. Find these articles at leader.pubs.asha.org. You can find more information on the ASHA website, including the Autism Practice Portal and resources and webinars about interprofessional practice, or IPP. That's all at asha.org. And we'll put links to some of the resources on the blog post for this episode of the podcast. ASHA Voices is produced by the American Speech Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the ASHA Leader Magazine. Support for ASHA Voices comes from the Hannon Center. Early Intervention for Children with Autism is about More Than Words. It's about being the bridge to those deeper connections that change families' lives and brighten children's futures. Learn more at hinanorg voices. Production assistance for ASHA Voices comes from Pamela Lawrence. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices.